Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Collegiately speaking. Walks into the end zone. Touches to the end zone. This is Collegiately Speaking. With the voice of Northwestern football and basketball, Dave Ennett, and former Northwestern star quarterback, Dan Persis, is Collegially Speaking. Let's go. And welcome to another edition of Collegially Speaking. Dave Ennett with former Northwestern quarterback, Dan Persa. Calendar says October, so we're, we're well into this now. Remember our first uh, time we got together this year our first game was back in august a complete month for better or worse and in some respects uh, some parts of it were forgettable but the month of september has gone by now we're into october we're into big 10 football northwestern getting set to take on wisconsin at ryan field for homecoming this weekend some other really interesting matchups around the big 10 Dan, I, I know that you were geographically near the Wildcats when they were playing Penn State last week, but uh, you weren't uh, on site, as it were, at uh, Beaver Stadium, huh? I was not, but I certainly felt the weather where I was as well. It was, it was not pretty. Yeah, it was not. It was not a pretty day. It was. It was a rough one. Uh, heavy rain throughout, and uh, eight turnovers in the game. Five of them by Penn State. Uh, which, as Pat Fitzgerald pointed out, those were not giveaways. Those were takeaways by the defense. They forced those turnovers. He said they forced one on the on the opening uh, first play of the game, so that uh, did not stand. But uh, it certainly seemed like a better performance defensively than we've seen so far this season. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, obviously whether no one's going to make excuses, both Coach Franklin and Coach Fitz will never bring weather into it, but it, it does play a factor, right? It's, it's harder to hold on to the ball. It's harder to control it as a quarterback. But I thought overall that the defense played better um, and the offense, because defenses are always going to play better and, and you know, inclement weather games. Um, but it was just a little frustrating through the offense not be able to, to convert even in those conditions. Um, so hopefully the defense can carry that through to this week and the offense kind of picks up the slack. Well, this week it's uh, Wisconsin. This has been a very good rivalry, and I was, I was looking back at some of the games, and you go back to 1985. They've met 31 times, Northwestern and Wisconsin. The Badgers, with their win last year at Camp Randall, which was the most lopsided win they've had over the Cats, I think, since 2013, now have an edge over those 31 meetings, 16 to 15. That's how close this thing has been as they get some to meet in Evanston. We're pleased to bring in our good friend Mike Lucas, who handles uh, the analysis on Badgers radio broadcast alongside our friend Matt LePay. Mike, appreciate you taking a few minutes to be with us. And anything new in Madison these days seems like it's been a pretty quiet, uneventful week. Yeah, it really has been the fan base has been concerned about the Brewers offense and how they punched out meekly and we've got some concerns also about the Packers playing in London on an early Sunday morning if any of them will be uh, up by that time by the kickoff but beyond that nothing's been going on nothing 
This was a, a team which a year ago had the number one defense in all of uh, FBS football, number one in total defense. They led virtually, they led the Big Ten in every defensive statistic a year ago. Really good team. Came into the season, uh, started off well against Illinois State, which has been known to give FBS programs trouble at times. And uh, and then you run into Washington State, and it seems like since then, even though they haven't gone winless, obviously, since then, uh, there had been some, some rumblings around this program. As you watch it from 10 stories above, what in your mind has kind of gone astray, if anything, for this Badger team? Okay, let's take this in order. We'll start with the defense. Uh, that was a really quality defense a year ago, but uh, they lost eight starters. And, and and some of those players, they just haven't been able to replace, nor did I think they would be able to replace, especially the two inside linebackers, Jack Sanborn, who's with the Bears, yeah. and, Leo, and Leo Chanel, who's with the Chiefs. I mean, they were so good. I got I put them up, those two linebackers, against any tandem in the country. Uh, that's how much faith I had in them. So they haven't, they're just not the same inside. Uh, their corner situation hasn't been as strong. Caesar Williams played really well, especially down the stretch. Uh, you might remember he had the big pick against Northwestern in the end zone yep. that snuffed out their long drive. He was solid. Uh, Fayon Hicks on the other side was solid. Their two safeties, Scott Nelson and Colin Wilder. Uh, made timely plays and were consistent. Uh, you take all those players away, and it's not the same defense. But I think it's still a good enough defense to win with if you get a little offensive support. And that hasn't been the case. Look, now, Ohio State just gashed them. It was like the worst I've seen a Jim Leonard coach defense play. Guys were out of position. They weren't lined up. Uh, the tailbacks were not getting hit until the second level. Just very uncharacteristic, but it's Ohio State. I'm looking to give them the benefit of the doubt. Stroud is that good. Their tailbacks are, well, we, I don't have to go into it. You know how good Ohio mm-hmm. State can be. Sure. Um, Washington State, they pretty much dominated, didn't have enough resolve to win. Illinois was a little different story. The defense gave up a couple of short field touchdowns in the first half, and then Illinois drove the ball right down their throats on the first series of the third quarter to set the tempo. They had another 70-plus yard drive uh, in the second half. Um, and that now it, it snowballed, I think, mentally with some of the players. I think coming out of Ohio State, they were humbled. Um, I'm not quite sure what they were uh, against Illinois, maybe a little demoralized. And then, you know, when they get their head coaches fired on Sunday and they, you know, have to watch him in agony, during that team meeting on Sunday night, it's not easy for kids 18 to 22. It's not easy for 72-year-old journalists, I'll be right. honest with you. Sure, sure. Uh, were you, A, surprised by it, and B, if you weren't, were you at least surprised by the timing? Yeah, I was both a yes and yes. I mean, you can use just any number of words, unprecedented, uh, bizarre, surprising, a little unconventional when, when, when we're keeping this in context with what Wisconsin is or how Wisconsin has acted over the years. Um, yeah, it came a little bit out of the blue. Mike, th- thanks again for joining us. Regarding the, the coaching switch, how much do you think, um, you know, 
Jim Leonard being mentioned for, for other jobs across the country, Nebraska and the like, played into that decision. Because I agree. I mean, Coach Chris has done a great job as long as he's been there. It's been a rough start, but I'm sure he would have bounced back. How much is this really, hey, you know, if we don't do this now, we're going to lose Coach Leonard, um, and then, you know, we don't have a succession plan for, for Coach, Coach Chris? Yeah, I know, Andrews. I understand the point you're making. In full transparency, I haven't had a chance to talk to Paul Chris nor Chris McIntosh, so I, I won't even try to to guess on what their mo- you know what McIntosh wanted to accomplish with this move and how Paul is feeling now. But to, but to what you were just saying, um, Leonard's had opportunities to leave, and it was not only the Green Bay Packers. The, the major college football programs have tried to recruit Jim Leonard. Uh, Everyone in this community, everyone in this state, recognized his value to Wisconsin. And in so many words, uh, Jimmy has said the same thing, that one of his dreams would be to be the head coach here someday. Not that he would ever pressure anybody to get into that position ahead of, quote-unquote, quote unquote, his time. Um, if, you know, it, it makes some sense on, on one front that McIntosh wants to take a look at Jim Leonard and how he will handle this situation and base, you know, his thoughts moving forward um, on hiring a full-time coach. Uh, you could also make the argument he's Jim Leonard is this guy. Um, the, the problem right now for Leonard is that the coaching staff is really unstable. I mean, that, when you take a look at the offense, in which it has been totally inconsistent and has yet to establish any type of identity through five games. No identity, no rhythm to what they're doing. There's a lot of inexperienced pieces there. I mean, so Paul steps away from the play calling, Paul Chris. Bobby Ingram, who you guys know from his days with the Chicago Bears, one of the most quality people I've ever been around. This is the first time he's ever coordinated an offense. This is the first time he's ever called plays. The running back coach, Al Johnson, had never coached running backs at this level. The tight ends coach, Chris Herring, had never coached tight ends at this level. The offensive line coach, Bob Bostead, had not coached the old line with a college team in 11 years. Now he had had two stints in the NFL, and for the last five years he's been coaching inside linebackers. So there just has been no match in – at some point, we'll probably learn if, if the lack of continuity with the assistants themselves contributed to what we've seen or haven't seen on offense. Yeah, that's really good insight. Sticking with the offense there, you mentioned inconsistency, and obviously that's that's been you know, the, the fans and, and the community's biggest problem with, with the quarterback, Mertz. Where does he stand today? Because, you know, you watch him play on some drives, he looks like a first-round NFL draft pick, and then there's there's other times where – he just looks confused or he's not on the same page with receivers or just his footwork's very inconsistent. Is it, is it, you know, pure inconsistency or is it something where he just doesn't have the continuity with wide receivers and, and they're just not on the same page and that continues to lead to, to his inconsistency? Well, I wish we could pinpoint it. We've been trying to do this now for about three years with Mertz. I think he's in better condition, better shape physically, came into the season in better mental shape. Um, has looked good against the bad defenses, has not looked good consistently, as you point out, against the better defenses that he's seen this year. At uh, times he has problems processing what he's seeing and where he's going to go with the ball, and he kind of locks onto his receiver. Uh, at times he just made bad decisions. One of the picks he had last week against Illinois, he was getting chased out of the pocket. He was off balance, thrown off his heels. 
and he just threw the ball in kind of into the middle of the field, anticipating, our guess is, that Skylar Bell, the targeted receiver, was going to work his way back to the hash mark. We can't anticipate that. You can't just throw up a ball for grabs. You're a veteran quarterback. Either eat it or throw it out of bounds. But he didn't do it. So those are the plays that frustrate me personally that I thought at some point he would be able to overcome. Against Ohio State, the competition was so high and keen, he got back back into a habit that he had last year, thrown behind his receivers, which makes him vulnerable. You can't do that on crossing routes. Um, I have not seen him consistently throw open receivers. Now, this year, he's got such a young group. DK is his, his veteran, you know, the most experienced receiver. And those two were not on the same page on an option route early in the Ohio State game, which opened the floodgate. So been a culmination of things at that position as well. Talking with Mike Lucas, analyst on Wisconsin radio broadcasts as the Badgers prepare to come to Evanston to take on Northwestern. Uh, Mike, before I, I let you go, it just a sense. You're around this team. You've been around them for forever. You're around them on a day-to-day basis. What's your sense of of how this is all going to sit with them as they come out to play this football game? Do you have any feel for what the reaction or how it might manifest itself with the way they play Saturday? In all truthfulness, Dave, I don't. And that's because I've never been in this situation to analyze what young athletes are going to do after a good group of them have been disappointed with the decision here to release their head coach. There's some anger in some of those kids. And I say kids, young adults, all right? There's some anger. They're, they're not happy with that choice. How does, how does that impact their game or their play on Saturday? Jim Leonard has been tremendous in the, how he's handled everything to this point as far as you know, I'm concerned. Um, he's had a couple of press conferences. He's answered every question and then some. Uh, he's, he's just laid it out perfectly. But we're still dealing with young athletes. And what's going to happen the first time they literally get punched in the face at Northwestern? A little adversity, something happens, a turnover. How are they going to handle it? If you look, we were talking about this series, but the takeaway is like the the, the common denominator yeah. in, with teams. If, if, you, if you win a game, it's largely because you won the takeover margin, right? Takeaway margin. If you lose a game against Northwestern or Wisconsin, it's because you turned it over too much. I don't know how this group is going to handle any type of negativity with their play on Saturday. They will play for Jim Leonard. They truly respect Jim Leonard, um, and there's a lot to respect there. Uh, I've I covered him since he, he came out of Tony, Wisconsin, population 101, <laughs> and turned himself into a three-time All-American safety and punt returner. Um, I love the guy, and I, I think he's going to be good for this program. But right now, it's a little bit too early to try to project what's going to happen next because we're dealing with emotion. And, and Leonard's pretty much said it this week, you got to be able to handle it, compartmentalize that emotion, and give everything you got on Saturday, and we'll see if they can do that. We will see. Great perspective, Mike. It's really good to have you on, get a chance to talk to you. appreciate the time, and I will look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Good enough. Talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Thank, thanks very much. Mike Lucas, who's covered Wisconsin for for many years, does the – analysis on their radio broadcasts alongside Matt LaPay and really interesting Braylon Allen their their great running back was the one who tweeted Dan this week 
anyone who wanted Coach Chris gone isn't a part of this team. And, uh, you know, that, I think that says a lot. He's, he's loyal to the guy who recruited him, who he's played for. And as Mike said, these are, they're, they are young men, but, but they're young. A lot of them haven't been through anything like this before. And it will be interesting to see what happens. I know it's not Northwestern's problem. They, they got their own issues to deal with, but you, you certainly wonder, how something like this is going to affect a football team uh, when it happens, especially, what, six days before the game. Yeah, I, I really appreciated Mike's perspective, frankly, because you talk to Wisconsin fans, and, and, you know, most of them are saying, well, you know, it's probably too early, but, you know, maybe it was time for a change. Hearing, you know, Braylon Allen talk like that and, and hearing Mike is clearly upset about it kind of brings it home to the fact that nobody wanted this. Um, and, you know, certainly the players and probably even Jim Leonard didn't want this. I also appreciated his point about Leonard has had every opportunity to leave before. What's, what's the rush in doing this? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's, a, it's an interesting call. I, I don't know a ton about their athletic director, um, but, but clearly the team's not happy about it. And, and as you know, Dave, this usually goes one of two ways. Either the team comes together and, and sends a message for their, their ex-coach and, and for the future, or they completely deteriorate. So, you know, for Northwestern, I'm hoping, you know, they, everyone's hoping that they, they don't play well, but it could have the opposite effect. They could come together and, and play better for their old coach. So, um, yeah, very interesting situation. And, and you know, te- teenagers and, and guys in their early 20s are very volatile from an, an emotional standpoint. So, um, to, to Mike's point, it, it'll be interesting to just watch the first quarter of the game. Yeah, but by the way, Chris McIntosh, who's the athletic director, uh, succeeded Barry Alvarez he's a former Wisconsin football player so you would think that he's got a pretty good perspective on this sort of thing having having played for a a program that was very good when he was playing for him for a long time but but really you look at at Paul Chris's record was he 62 and 26 I believe three Big Ten West championships along the way and uh, it's it's hard to look at that record and think well here's a guy who five games into the season should get the hook but uh, I guess that's that's their decision and it's interesting Dan that you look around FBS football had three coaches fired and we're we're not yet to November I mean, it's really this is happening at a much faster pace than you normally see it you see coordinators get fired sometimes after a bad game you see assistant coaches get dumped but you saw Scott Frost a couple weeks into the season Carl Durrell uh, at Colorado got fired last last weekend, the same day that uh, Paul Chris got it at Wisconsin. It's just, it's very unusual, and and you just wonder what what motivates athletic directors, board of trustees, whoever's making the decision to make these moves this this early in a campaign when there's still time for a team to turn things around. Yeah, I don't really get it, frankly. And I think the the concerning thing is those decisions also have you know second order consequences as well because now the, all those teams are calling other coaches and disrupting those the the other programs. You know, Kansas is, the Kansas head coach is probably getting a thousand calls a day, um, disrupting you know their current season and then they're on a great run. So it's it's really unfortunate, um, you know, that these decisions are made so quickly. I think Scott Frost was one where they they needed to kind of nip it in the bud. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe I guess, 
but I think it's it's just unfortunate these guys don't get a little bit more runway to, to figure things out because the, the beginning of the season for so many college teams is so much different than the end of the season. Um, I get firing somebody with a couple games left or, or before a bowl game or something like that to start fresh, but you know, in the first month, it's just it's just very very aggressive, and then the second order consequences affect you know multiple other programs. Um, which I think is bad for college football. Well, here's the crazy thing. As you look at where we are, the Big Ten West, uh, at this point, you have six teams that are 1-1 one and one in Big Ten play, and you have one team that's 0-2. That's Wisconsin. And so uh, you've, you've got basically everybody's tied in the, in the Big Ten West, and really interesting – matchups this weekend along with this game in Evanston that we've talked about how about the game in Champaign with Iowa and Illinois Illinois has looked really good except for that final drive by Indiana uh, they should be sitting here unbeaten and ranked and they're not quite there yet Uh, they've got the two of the uh, let's see I think they're number one in Total defense or number one in scoring defense nationally, number three in total defense, something like that, Uh, only giving up eight points a game and taking on an Iowa team, which we know has been challenged to score points, only scores 16 points a game as they meet in Champaign. This is a huge game. If Illinois can win this game, Dan, you kind of look at at their schedule and you kind of think this is a team which definitely could find its way to Indianapolis. Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a program kind of defining win. Um, I just look at the the spread, and, and Illinois is favored by almost four points. So, um, you know, I think Coach Bielum has done a great job there. You know, turning the program around pretty pretty quickly, and he's he's done it in the past, so it's it's not shocking. But to your point, the West is is pretty much wide open, um, which gives Northwestern fans a little bit of hope. Um, but at the same time, it, the West is pretty deep, right? You have you know Minnesota. Wisconsin's struggling, but they'll, they'll figure it out. Iowa's kind of in, in the middle of the pack. Um, Illinois is playing really well. So we'll see. I mean, it's, it's kind of a toss-up, and there's a lot to be decided. Yeah, Purdue's got a tough game tomorrow playing uh, or this weekend playing at Maryland, and uh, the, the Wildcats will be there following the bye, too. That's, that's a good Maryland team. It's a very dangerous offense. So uh, let's get uh, – Super Joe with his prediction of the week. Joe? Prediction. Super Joe's predictions. All right, gentlemen. Last week we had the Michigan team total over 26 and a half. And Blake Corum scampered into the end zone. (laughs) The uh, ensuing point after touchdown with a minute 20 left on the clock. So, as they say, never in doubt. Right. I was thinking about you when that was unfolding. Yeah, never in doubt. We we all knew. Uh, the other thing that we need to address here is that one one lost one, one one lost one. That's that's the way we've been trending. That's the pattern. We need to break the pattern and get in, get on a streak here. So okay. I'm going to College yeah. Park, Maryland. Okay. Purdue and Maryland. Total is fifty nine and a half. Maryland and Purdue are the team are uh, behind Ohio State, second and third in passing offense. Both teams rank in the bottom half of the conference in passing defense. I think a lot of points are going to be scored. I checked the weather already. Learned from my mistake earlier in the season. <laughs> no rain in the forecasts. 0% as a matter of fact. So I think these two teams combine for at least 60 points. Do they have extra light bulbs on hand? LED light bulbs for the scoreboard there in College Park? They better. 
the triple digits. That's what we're looking for, Dave. We want this to go into the <laughs> into the hundreds. That'd be fine. I, listen, I don't doubt that. Uh, I think uh, the way they are, both those offenses can score points. And Purdue did, didn't do it. But they still managed to win with defense against Minnesota, which I thought was pretty impressive. Yeah, and even when o- O'Connell came out, the offense was still clicking. So th- that means that there's there's something in place where, you know, whether it's the uh, – obviously the receivers are playing a big role in that too. But uh, offensively, they are – they they are on track, and we need to keep that going. All right. There you go. There is your Super Joe prediction of the week. All right, Dan, what do the Cats have to do this week to get back on track against the Badgers? Yeah, I, I think first and foremost, take care of the ball and stop the run. Um, if, if Wisconsin can establish a run game early with, with Braylon Allen and, and control the clock and control the game, I think Northwestern you know, playing from behind is, isn't a great recipe. And then take care of the ball, right? You're not going to win any games. Uh, turn the ball over two, three, four, five times. Um, so that in tandem with the offense picking up a little bit and having a good day, you know, both on the ground and through the air are, are kind of the three recipes for a win. All right. Sounds good. We will see you out there. And again, uh, next week is a bye week for the Wildcats. So we'll come back with you in two weeks with another edition of Collegiately Speaking. Dan, have a good week. You too, guys. Look forward to Saturday. All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Collegiately Speaking. Thanks very much to Mike Lucas for joining us. For Super Joe Romano and for Dan Persa, I'm Dave Ennett. Don't forget, we'll bring you the game from Evanston Saturday, uh, the pregame at 2, kickoff at 2.30. Ted Albrecht will be alongside for that on uh, WGN Radio. Now, Dave Ennett, thanks for being with us, and we'll talk to you again next time.